Today on Follow Friday, we are looking back at some of the very best follow recommendations of 2021. But first, today's show is brought to you by Timber, a modern hosting platform for craft-loving indie podcasters. And when you host your show with Timber, you can also get free professional podcast reviews from industry experts. Check it out at timber.fm. Today's show is also brought to you by Repod, the all-in-one destination for podcasters to build their community. It's a new app that gives podcasters all the tools they need to engage, monetize, and grow. On Repod, you can set up memberships for your listeners to give them ad-free or bonus content, listener shoutouts, merch, and more. Repod is available on the App Store and Google Play. Search for it there or go to repod.io to get started. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, take a moment now and please follow or subscribe in your podcast app. It's free. And hey, just a quick heads up, today's episode is the last one we will be releasing in 2021. We're going to have a big celebration for the show's first birthday at the end of January, but for today, I wanted to look back at the year and replay some of my personal favorite follows, so my favorite people who have been recommended by the guests on the show. So I had that idea, and I committed to it, without really thinking about how hard it would be to narrow down the list. This year, I have done 41 interviews, which multiplies out to 164 follow recommendations, and that's not including the 19 bonus recommendations that you can get at patreon.com slash follow Friday. So, 183 total. How on earth could I pick just 4 out of 183? To make the choice easier, I gave myself some rules. It had to be someone I had never heard of before, but I had to have a strong, fun memory of talking about that person with my guest. And it also couldn't be someone who we've already replayed in a previous compilation episode, so my apologies to George Ice Cube. That brought me down from 183 follows to a much more manageable list of 43. Well, shit. So this is definitely not a comprehensive roundup. There are so many great follows that I could have picked today. But I semi-randomly grabbed four of them, and I think you'll like them too. As always, you can find links to all of these follows in the show notes and a transcript of this episode at followfridaypodcast.com. Let's start with a recommendation from Allie Ward, the host of the amazing podcast Ologies. She was one of the first ever guests on the show, and back then, one of the categories was someone you have a crush on. I've changed the wording a little bit since then, but back then, that was how it was phrased, someone you have a crush on. And I was worried when she picked her fiancé. Like, are we going to have anything to talk about here? But turns out she was not just being nice and had a lot of fun stories to share. Here's what she said. 
It's Final Friday. Allie Ward, I asked you for someone you have a crush on, and you said Jarrett Sleeper, who's on Instagram at Jarrett underscore Sleeper, and Jarrett has two R's and two T's. Mm -hmm. So I did some serious investigative journalism, (laughs) and I discovered that Jarrett is engaged to you. So congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, I was like, I do have a crush on him, so yeah, I'm going to put counts. him down. But <laughs> does, does, does he know that, that you're only engaged to him because Chris Filming was out of your league? Or? <laughs> I think he'd be like, I get it. And he'd probably be like, same, honestly. Yeah. I think if, um, if I were to ask, I think we would both have said if Chris Fleming were to pick either one of us, it would be okay if we got dropped. We'd be like, that's fine. You know, some couples have like a list of like here's yeah. the approved names, and it's just a list of one for both of you. It's yeah. just like yeah, Chris, just Chris, it's just Mr. Fluming. But you publicly announced your engagement at the end of a recent podcast, and you described Jarrett as quote the man who wears wigs and short shorts to make quarantine workout videos. So, <laughs> could you explain that? I can. He wears both of those things. Um, But he so Jarrett and I have known each other for 10 years. We met on a rooftop 10 years ago and uh, we hit it off like instantly, like love at first sight. Like the second I saw him, I was like, fuck, what am I going to do about this guy? But we have a huge age gap. I am nine years older. And so I met him when he was 25 and I was in my 30s. And so don't do the math on it. It's fine. I'm 31 now. So it's everything's <laughs> good. But um, but we broke up a bunch of times in between because we were in two super different places. I did not want to date a guy in his 20s who was 25 anyway, like mattress on the floor kind of lifestyle and like needed to go get hangovers and make bad decisions and date a lot of people. Um, He had only had one girlfriend before me. And so I was like, you need to go date a bunch of people. And so we got back together maybe like three years ago. But we've known each other the whole time. So I've always had a crush on him. He's always been like the one that got away that I pushed away. And because he was not, I believe I called him a green banana when I first (laughs) met him. (laughs) I was like, there's nothing wrong with it. A green banana is going to be great. You just need some time on. And he got very offended by that. But sure, I mean, sure enough, like time worked out. And and we did recently... uh, get engaged and uh he proposed to me on the spot that we first made out uh the night that we met which was more than a make out and was in a public <laughs> place <laughs> so when i say there was instant chemistry there certainly was um it is not legal to do what we did in griffith park the night we met but here we are um and so <laughs> i we i just we felt very head over heels anyway and so um so yeah so he proposed there on christmas eve uh with our dog and so number one he is like a very like physical person like he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu and he's like i had never seen him compete in jiu-jitsu and i went for the first time like this past year again before quarantine and to it's so bananas to see someone that you know is someone cooking dinner and someone hanging out to wrestle people to the ground <laughs> so weird um but he's really he's really good at it and he's um just very like he loves like lifting sandbags up and he has ADHD and he gets a lot of his energy out that way it's just in physicality but so once quarantine started he started doing quarantine calisthenics and now he does it and on Twitch at 9 a.m. Pacific every weekday morning 
kind of in our garage <laughs> and uh, he's in short shorts a lot for it. Sometimes he will dip into the wig bin that we have in the garage. And I think he did one quarantine calisthenics where uh, it was in a like a red pajama suit with a ratty wig and a miner's hat. And I forget that. I think he his name was like Jedediah something. And all of his squats were aimed at like mining moves and he's so he's very hilarious and very weird and uh if i weren't engaged to him i would be creeping his instagram every day for signs (laughs) that he was engaged to someone else to break my heart for people who want to see those calisthenics videos i just looked it up it looks like his twitch name is also Jarrett underscore sleeper with two r's and two t's and Jarrett. Yep. So, yeah, free workouts, 9 a.m. Pacific every morning. And he does like boxing stuff and leg day and butt, you know, butt day. And uh, we have some some like gym rings that a gymnast would use, like two mm-hmm. O-rings. And they it looks so much like a sex apparatus that <laughs> when our garage doors open, I'm always like, oh, God, I hope people think I hope people know this. Or just that's just some weird. Workout it's just for stuff. Twitch. It's yeah, just, it's... Just, for, just for strangers <laughs> on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he's also but and then he's also like a poet, like he's he has a, a poetry book that's um, that he has an agent for and they're starting to shop that around. So he's this he's like this very weird combination of like cries at the drop of the hat when something is beautiful and like writes poetry about things and also um, is like a maniac who can who carries sandbags down the street in order to <laughs> clear his mind. So he's a weirdo and I love him. Oh, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> well, this, is, this, this is something you guys are in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something that is, I think, completely normal in L.A. and for, for, for like everywhere else in the country. It, just, it seems so strange. But both of you are very much public performers. You've done a lot of TV. You do your podcast. He's a poet and he's on Twitch and he's on Instagram. You're both all over the place. Uh, do you ever get competitive about about how much attention one or the other is getting? I never, ever do. I don't think he ever does either. It's funny because I am so enamored of him and he's such an interesting combination of someone who's really into history and really into language and words and creation. And he's so funny. And I think he's just such a hunk that to me, it's very weird that not every single person on earth wants to be engaged to him. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a bit of a proselytizer with that. Um, I want, I want at some point, cause my, my career is pretty all encompassing and he offers a lot of support for mine. Like he helps edit my podcast and stuff, but yeah, I'm, I am always singing the praises and, and he's really, really great at helping me get ologies out the door every week and trying to help me find a work life balance. So I think, I think that if we didn't like each other, maybe there would be that like, oh, yeah, a little better. <laughs> but um, we're super boring in that we just really dig each other. But I think also part of digging each other is that we do have crushes on each other because we had this tortured seven years of on mm, off. When you weren't together. Yes. Yeah. Like forbidden crush. I've, I'm dating someone else, but I'm still thinking about him. You know, just <laughs> Remember that night in New yeah. York. Yeah, we'll always have New York. <laughs> We'll always have Griffith Park. Yeah. So yeah, but no, not competitive. I'm um, and in fact, it's been kind of cool to see, like lately, as Ologies gets bigger and I do more TV shows and stuff, um, to be able to recommend him for stuff and watch how that because I f- I feel like every career, every person in LA with a career, somebody opened a door, someone gave him a chance, you know whether it was from an audition or whether it was like, you know, I, I just feel like this industry is based on your on 
a little bit of your reputation or connection. So I'm like, anyone I can help, I'm like, come on up. That was Jarrett Sleeper, who is on Twitter at Jarrett Sleeper and on Instagram at Jarrett underscore Sleeper. And he was recommended by Allie Ward from Ologies. Okay, next up is a follow recommendation from Alexandra Petri, the humor columnist at the Washington Post. This was the first person she recommended in her episode, and as soon as she started talking about him, I knew we were in for a good time. Here's what happened. It's Final Friday! Your first pick is in the category, an expert in a very specific niche that you love. And you said Josh Frulinger, also known as the Comics Curmudgeon. You can follow him on Twitter at JFRUH or at JoshReads.com. So the Comics Curmudgeon, I had not heard of this, but I'm immediately obsessed with it. Explain what Josh does here and why you uh, love following him. I feel like we're doing a really good job of establishing I'm like a very cool person with hip, normal, mainstream interests because the comics curmudgeon is for people like myself who don't really let a day go by without reading the print comics in the newspaper in their entirety. <laughs> I feel like doing that is sort of a fun yet isolating activity because you have a lot to say about like what's going on with Mark Trill these days, like what's happening with Beetle Bailey, all of these like very strange hermetically sealed like some of them have been going on for decades and like yeah are you past your comic strip down from like one generation to the next and they're like families who like just like someday you'll take over beetle bailey my son like that that's <laughs> going on and so it's just a wild fascinating novel place and fortunately uh josh has been doing this for the longest time and it's this amazing blog where you can basically go to it and he's like so here's what the baltimore suns comics page has on it today like and here's what i think of mary worth and it's just like but like the frustrating thing about the internet is that people are always like getting to the good jokes first but it's actually reassuring to know that he's always gotten to the good joke first and it's like oh this is someone is there to make the good joke about the comics so that my day can be like he's taken that off of the shoulders of the other comics readers. So I'm a big fan of the public service he's been providing for, I think, decades at this point. Uh, yeah, I think he started in 2004, which is just incredible. I mean, most people can't keep up a blog for a month, uh, including the former president of the United States. And so it's <laughs> it is the fact that uh, the fact the fact that Josh has been doing this for for, for that long is incredible. No, it truly is a public service, and it's very funny. I, there, there was one that recently on Memorial Day where it was the Beetle Bailey comic, and it was, like, just a very lame, like, golfing joke, and then just scribbled hastily in the margins, like, Happy Memorial Day to all who serve, or something like that. And he was saying, like, gosh, you think someone might have thought about this for a, a military-themed strip, but guess guess not. <laughs> nope. They, they somehow... I think this got, like, a broader th through the internet, but the... Barney Google and Snuffy Smith, like the 9-11 memorial comic strip that they did, is just the stuff of legend because... Are they the Beetle Bailey authors or who are they? No, they're a different... It's like set in like a little holler and it's full of folks who like they drink moonshine and the whole thing is like they're in a holler drinking moonshine. See, it's not in the post, I think, except maybe on Sundays, but I don't think even on Sundays. And so I've like fallen out of touch with it. So <laughs> I may be giving you very bad misinformation about Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. Oh, no. How will I ever get by? <laughs> but their 9-11 comic, look, look it up. It's it's really, it's, it's just sort of a masterclass in every choice you probably shouldn't make when commemorating uh, an event. So how did you first start following Josh? Do you remember? I mean, it's, he's been doing this for so long, maybe, maybe you don't, but... I think I honestly, it was one of those things where you like, like when you leave a movie theater and you're like, I want to see what people thought about this. And so I was like trying to Google, like who had, does anyone else have an opinion 
about, I really think it was Beetle Bailey. And there's like, there's a whole website called the Comics Curmudgeon. Or somebody recommended it to me knowing that I'm like obsessed with the comics. And he did like a Mark Trail live show, which I wished <laughs> to this day, like, I, I, I'd have to consult with like, you know, the best historians, like what's the good thing to do with the time machine? Like, should I go and like talk to Marlon Brando? That, that's not a good thing. But like, I would also go and see the Mark Trail live read. I, for, for the benefit of, of readers who are not up to date on Mark Trail, even I don't know how you could possibly not be. But uh, could, could you explain for folks? I, I remember Mark Trail mainly as the comic I skipped over in the post. But <laughs> can, can you explain what Mark Trail, where Mark Trail and Mary Worth and what, what, what these comics are and why they are maybe not what people think about normally when they think about newspaper comics? Well, my favorite newspaper comic story, and then I will explain both of these because it would be my delight, is I think the most mail the post ever got was not like somebody wrote a column and they were real mad about it, but because what they decided they'd remove Judge Parker, the comic strip, and everyone was like, you know, as a newspaper, you can do many things, but removing Judge Parker, that is a bridge <laughs> too far. And so they got just bucket loads of mail. And people were like, Judge Parker, so this is, these are all sort of teetering on the edge of like soap opera strips. So Judge Parker, he's a judge. Um, he's got a family and like, there's a lot going on. Recently, a new person took over it who's like a very good, funny writer, but like attempting to infuse reality into the Judge Parker world, I think is a, is a fool's errand, but he's doing a good job. <laughs> so Mark Trail is like a nature, an adventure, outdoorsman type guy. He's got one of those shirts that has multiple pockets. He looks like a park ranger, but I don't think he's a park ranger. He has a lot of animal facts. Every Sunday, he'll tell you animal facts in like a big, colorful, illustrated thing about like Martins and are they a member of the weasel family or what are they a member of? He'll he'll put his finger on it. But he's always like hunting drug kingpins. Uh, he has his wife, Cherry, but there's also this like temptress that he sometimes goes on adventures with. Oh my God. My favorite Mark Trail comic strip is not amazingly the one where he spent, he spent a good, like, I want to say three months I'm going to say it, even though I think it's inaccurate, like three months of daily strips just yelling in a cave. It was incredible. But <laughs> there was another one where he was trying to get to the bottom of like a drug smuggling situation. There's a, a taxidermied fish and he sort of sticks his fingers into the, he's like the plaster of Paris of the fish. And he goes, that isn't plaster of Paris. That's cocaine. And just the idea that Mark Trail, outdoorsman, was like, <laughs> by tasting this plaster of Paris, I've identified it as cocaine. I'm like, that's Mark Trail in a nutshell. He's a, oh, he's got a <laughs> child named Rusty and a dog named Andy, or maybe a child named Andy and a dog named Rusty. No, I think I got it right the first time. But anyway, he recently, there's a new generation of Mark Trail going on. So like new, new writer, new illustrator. And he's like cool now and he's like making TikToks. And I'm like, I'm also interested in this Mark Trail, who's like maybe the son. I miss when they explain like his relationship to original Mark Trail. Uh, so I, I need to catch up on that. But yeah, he's like fun and makes wisecracks and he has like a rivalry with a cricket guy. Um, anyway. This is some insane continuity. And yeah, the, the, these comics, these soap opera comics have been going on for so long that I guess if you have been a lifelong reader of judge parker or mark trail or one of these you know the the idea of them stopping is just impossible to fathom so <laughs> i kind of get that part of it at least and mary worse is like an old lady who likes to meddle and everyone around her benefits from that it's kind of murder she wrote but also kind of not like in the sense that if you somebody were to tell you that she'd done a lot of murders you'd be like i'm not surprised that was the comics curmudgeon josh frulinger who is on twitter at jfruh and he was recommended by Alexandra Petri from The Washington Post. We are going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with more of my favorite follows from 2021. 
Today's show is brought to you by Timber, a finely crafted hosting platform for your podcast. I tried Timber out recently, and I love the clean design. It's super quick and easy to change your show settings or to look at the analytics. And when you host your podcast on Timber, you get access to an amazing private Discord community called The Edit. That's where I and a bunch of other podcast industry professionals provide detailed professional reviews of podcasts from Timber users. And when you sign up for Timber, you'll get two of those reviews for free every year. Start your two-week free trial today at Timber.fm. That's T-I-M-B-E-R dot F-M. Today's show is also brought to you by Repod. If you're a podcaster, you probably have something like a Facebook group or maybe a Patreon page, but those destinations can only do so much. You need one central place for your listener community, and Repod is that. It's a new app that gives podcasters all the tools to engage, monetize, and grow. So it's sort of like Patreon and Facebook groups and a podcast app all bundled together. On Repod, you can set up memberships for your listeners to give them ad for your bonus content, listener shoutouts, merch, and more. Repod is available on the App Store and Google Play. Search for it there or go to repod.io to get started. That's R-E-P-O-D dot I-O. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Next up on today's Best of 2021 special, we have Mark Chrysler from The Constant, who introduced me to a Twitter account that I now follow religiously. It's a constant source of entertainment. Take it away, Past Eric. It's Follow Friday. Mark, I asked you to tell me about someone you just started following, and you said an account called Fruit of the Loom, which is spelled with two O's in fruit. So the username on Twitter is F-R-O-O-T of the loom and then the number one fruit of the loom one their twitter bio makes reference to uh the mandela effect and to things that are being retconned do you want to explain what this account is about what fruit of the loom with two o's is referring to yes i think that at this point fruit of the loom is one of the sole reasons that i open twitter yeah fruit of the loom is an account that just pastes comments from a, a reddit subgroup called the Mandela Effect, which if people don't know this, I first encountered this a few years ago with the Berenstein Bears or the Berenstain Bears, which is what they're actually called. They're the Berenstain Bears. It's a series of children's books that many of us grew up with and many of us recall incorrectly as the Berenstain Bears because that's a much more natural sounding thing. The idea is that we've actually traveled into an alternative universe where when we were children, we were living in the Berenstein Bears world. And then we somehow uh, got retconned. Yeah, as you said, existence got retconned <laughs> to turn it into the Berenstain Bears. And the sa- the, it takes its name from this same phenomenon when Nelson Mandela died in, I think, 2008. A lot of people apparently believed that they remembered him dying in the 90s. And so that became sort of this major schism where they said, OK, sometime between then and now, we uh, we changed the nature of the universe. And when you follow Fruit of the Loom, who just sort of gives you the examples of these folks in their 
in their manic glee wholesale, you realize <laughs> more fully than you can possibly imagine that there is just a small but not small enough group of folks who every time they spell something wrong uh, or misremember a date or in <laughs> any way make any sort of minor or trivial error, they go, oh, well, of course, that means that the world has just been changed again. The only explanation, the simplest explanation is time travel or maybe an alternate universe. It can't possibly be that I was wrong. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, there has to be the, the only reasonable explanation for the world that I live in where ignore is spelled with a silent G or whatever. I don't. That's not a good example. <laughs> I, I want to look them up. I want to look them up right now so that I can give you a great example of. Uh, yeah, this is one that I found when I was looking at the Fruit of the Loom one on Twitter. Uh, it's a screenshot from Reddit. It's a post on, on Reddit. And the title is. When the hell did Ed Sherman change his name to Ed Sheeran? <laughs> right, yeah. That's a lovely one. I, I like the when the hell, specifically, where, where, where it's like the, the utter nerve of this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, they, there's, there's a nonstop cavalcade of aggressive ignorance being trotted out as, as evidence that something has gone wrong with the world. And they, the moderators, apparently, on this subreddit have made it you're, you're not allowed to contradict someone. You're not allowed to say, I think that maybe it was just always spelled that way or what have you. <laughs> it creates this sort of like what steam engine of just like a, a reinforcing loop of bad information over and over again. And it delights me to no end. Yeah, I, I definitely was also in the Berenstein Bears camp. I was I was certain for the longest time that it was Steen with an E. Um, another one, another classic example of Mandela effect that I was certainly um, just true, true for me was in Snow White. The evil uh, witch saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? Apparently, she never says that. She says magic mirror on the wall. But, you know, if you had asked me, you know, and until I looked this up last night when I was writing the script, I was like, yeah, of course. She says mirror, mirror on the wall. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have anything other than Berenstein Bears that's like that that for you? Yeah, no, I have the, the Snow White one as well. I think, uh, you know, E.T. never says uh, phone home. He always says home phone. Right. There are lots of little ones like that. And those are all great because they just there's a catchier version than what actually we experienced that then became the cultural touchstone, which is a really simple and kind of interesting explanation for why we all have these like sort of shared errors but instead of going down that, it's just, well, obviously the universe has shifted in the most <laughs> mundane and unreasonable ways imaginable. Yeah, and it's, it's especially, so I think the original people reporting Mandela Effect, like they said, like, I remember watching his funeral on TV and stuff like that. So it's often, I think, related to some media we've consumed where our brains have just conflated maybe like, you know, a fictionalized version of a similar yeah. person to Nelson Mandela or you know, there's, there's just some bizarre brain science happening here that I would love to really understand. Like, what is actually happening when we delude ourselves into thinking that th th some, th there's, you know, some retcon time travel shenanigans going on here? <laughs> yeah, I think it's an incredibly uh, Internet based phenomenon, because in, in the in the olden days, people had things like this. I remember my uncle when I was a kid thinking that it was uh, called a weather main, not a weather vane. And he was insistent when everybody was like, what are you talking about? It's a weather vane. He was like, that's ah, a weather man. I was all, you know, and like we all have those little moments. But the difference is when you can go online, you can find people who will validate 
your odd little quirks and so forth. And so they become not uh, your mistakes or not things that you believe quietly that you could sort of grumble about, you know, under the table or whatever. They suddenly become things that you can you can amplify and exaggerate and <laughs> we can make these strange behaviors louder and bigger and, and worse. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Internet. Our official motto is we can make it louder and bigger and worse. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much right. That was Fruit of the Loom, which is on Twitter at Fruit of the Loom 1, and Fruit is spelled with two O's. And they were recommended by Mark Chrysler, the host of the history podcast The Constant. Last but not least, on this Best of 2021 special, we have a follow recommendation from the interview I did with the Oral Knots, Craven Morehouse and Zach Koontz. Specifically, this pick comes from Craven, and it's one of the few times I've made my guests do a dramatic reading on the show. But I think it was worth it. Enjoy. It's Final Friday. Craven, let's move on to someone you said makes you laugh, and that's Michael Cunningham, also known as Sir Michael, who is on Twitter at Michael1979. Michael's the author of a book called How to Almost Make Friends on the Internet. Do you want to explain what he does that prevents him from actually making friends? <laughs> so Michael is probably the most wholesome troll uh, that exists in the world. <laughs> he's trollsome. Yeah, he's he's extremely trollsome. And I, I just, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around what it is that tickles me about his work so much. But I think it's something about the intersection of how he like interacts with the real world and then follows up with people in this digital way. So he's, he's always putting up flyers and sort of uh, baiting people with these very innocuous things in, in the world. And then they'll take, you know, the phone number off his flyer and text to him. And the way that he lines up his gags, he's the kind of person that you, you might think that he's a real person, doing and acting the way that he is, except that he posts his comedy online. And that's sort of the, the giveaway <laughs> that he's a comedian. Right. But, but he's sort of, uh, he, he comes off as sort of this innocuous dolt that takes people down a path when they start interacting with them. And the joke is in how long it takes that person to finally catch up to the idea that he's messing around with them or that he's insane. And the punchline just <laughs> is always like, this perfected piece of comedy. I, I have to imagine he's just a genius, you know, but it's always just so harmless too, in the way that he's working with people. So to me, it's sort of my philosophy is that the world isn't quite interesting enough just, just as it is in general. And I always appreciate <laughs> a bit of absurdity kind of catching you unaware. And I think he's giving that to people it like it's almost like a, a gift, you know, because people just get into this sort of doldrum of life. And uh, some of my favorite moments are when I think I've read something, you know, I read something and it makes me laugh. And then, you know, because of how absurd it is. And then the, the greatest disappointment is when I realize that I've misread that thing and it actually says something really boring or lame or, you know, I love <laughs> I love absurdity. I love things being twisted in, in a way that's sort of wholesome and, and ridiculous. And yeah, so that's he, everything he he does whether it be these flyers that that sort of catch people and, and st start get get them interacting with him where he takes them down these forking paths. He seems to have an answer for everybody in terms of how when when, when he's when they're responding to him, he seems to have some 
some way of understanding where the conversation is going to go and a joke everywhere along the, the road to get to his final destination. You know, that's, that's the thing is it seems like maybe he has like a final punchline in mind, but the way he gets there, it's not like he delivers a punchline right after the first person responds. It's a little bit of like baiting them along a pathway, I guess, to where he wants him <laughs> yeah, to go. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's incredible how he does that. He's incredibly deft with that, how he achieves that. And then he does something else that I love so much. After he has his punchline, there's always like another joke right behind it. And I've seen <laughs> him do that so many times. I just figure it's part of his strategy, you know, and, and that includes something as simple as he tells his punchline in a chat space and then he'll include, you know, in the image, the little bit after that, that says like, you've been removed from this chat. (laughs) (laughs) And and he's done things like that so often that I think that's, you know, he, he always kind of buttons things up with an additional joke and that I just love so much. Yeah. The best example of that was when you, you referred to me, of of course, which is probably his most popular post, the, uh, the funeral DJ bit. Oh, I haven't seen this one. What, what happens in the funeral DJ? He bit? just he offers his funeral DJ skills, and he's like, "I will play tasteful music. You know, everyone will feel good. I'll play something that you know." He is, he makes a really bad taste, but good case for being a funeral DJ. And he's like, "I will also provide. I'll bring turntable decks, which I will have soon." But then <laughs> after this, he's like, "My mixtape is attached. There's a physical tape." like taped the thing. He's like, please bring it back. It's my only copy. And then right below that, almost out of frame is a second post on a bulletin board that says need DJ turntables for my new wedding de- for my new funeral DJ gig. So that's like the whole punchline has been laid out in this post. There's just this little subtle one in the corner of the frame, just barely out of the, almost out of the shot. That's great. Uh, so I want to do a little uh, stage reading for for one of Michael's Facebook <laughs> exchanges. Right, right. I sent you guys the link for this one. Um, so this is this is a Facebook post in, in a group, uh, some sort of lo- looks like a local community group. And I'm gonna Craven. I'm gonna have you play Michael and Zach. You will play <laughs> Zeke, who is one of the unsuspecting marks uh, in this. So this starts with a woman named Cindy who posts in this community group. Has anyone here met their partner through an online dating site and not Tinder, etc., actual dating? And so the initial response is from someone named Laura, who says, yes, she met her partner, Charlie. Uh, They've been in a relationship for two years. Happy to answer any questions about it. So then enter Michael. But it's not always a positive experience. Greg, who's the manager of the hardware shop where my uncle works, was telling me recently about a bad experience he had on OkCupid, and he definitely wouldn't recommend it. Well, if Greg from Hardware says it's bad, it must be bad. Greg's word is gospel, don't you know? (laughs) Then Michael responds, Zeke, not sure why you felt the need to join in this conversation with an unhelpful comment, but I don't appreciate you making fun of Greg. He's been through a lot in his life, so being made fun of online is the last thing he needs. Please tell me how I was making fun of Hum. (laughs) I don't know who he is or what his life is. I was joking about the way you spoke about him like everyone knows who Greg is and go by what he said. Greg and then Michael explains who Greg is. Greg is the manager of a hardware shop and he has a very he had a very bad experience on OK Cupid. I mentioned that in my post. Yes, you did, but it had no meaning because nobody knows who Greg is or what the hardware shop is or what his experience was. His experience was that he had worked in various hardware shops for several years beforehand. So he was actually very well qualified for the job, if that's what you're worried about. His experience on OkCupid, not his work experience. Laugh up cry emoji three times. Oh, okay. Sorry. I misunderstood what you meant. 
No worries. I'm laughing here. Laugh emoji. Laughing at Greg? No, of course not. And then a new character, Sadie, enters. What's the bad experience you had on OkCupid? Not me. Greg. He had a very unfortunate experience a few days after he joined OkCupid, and it still affects him now. Can you say what it was? He forgot his password to the site, and he hasn't been able to log in since. Thumbs down emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's just like, that's that's just like, uh, I'm so impressed that he clearly knew, like I was saying, he clearly knew the bad, what the bad experience was going to be, but it's just (laughs) such a maze to get there. It's, it's, that's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, to your your initial thing, uh, what you were initially saying about him, Craven, was you, I think you called him like the nicest internet troll. Like, I think in my mind, trolls are kind of in that same category as pranksters, where a lot of it is like making someone else the fool, making someone else feel bad or embarrassed or whatever. And I think what what really works about Michael's comedy is a lot of it is like he's playing the character who he's everyone the, he's else. He's the fool, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's the, he's the fool, as you said. Among people do who do this sort of trolling online, it, it, this really seems to be like the best form of it possible. A- absolutely, absolutely. I saw an interview with Johnny Knoxville recently, and he was talking about what he thinks makes them different from the current crop of pranksters and physical comedy, like like trolls like that. And he's like, what makes Jackass different? Yeah. And he goes, because we're just messing with each other. He's like, none of our antics ever involved anyone else in a way that made them look dumb or hurt or put them in danger. Yeah. He's yeah. like, anytime there was a public stunt, it was just them making fools of themselves around other people and making them feel awkward about it. That was, it's so mean spirited out there right now just to get the, to get the clicks. Yeah. I feel like we all need a little bit more Sir Michael in our lives. Yeah. Sir Michael is the one. <laughs> That was Michael Cunningham, who was on Twitter at Michael1979, and he was recommended by Craven Morehouse from the YouTube channel Oral Knots. Thank you again to Allie, Alexandra, Mark, Craven, and Zach for coming on Follow Friday, and to literally everyone else whose voice you've heard on the podcast this year. We'll be taking a couple weeks off for the holidays, and we'll be back with a new episode in early to mid-January. So please take this time to go back, listen to any episodes you might have missed, and go explore the amazing work of our guests and the people they recommend. Happy holidays and a very happy new year to all of you. Thanks so much for listening to my little podcast and making 2021 a pretty great year, you know, such as it is. Follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ, and don't forget to follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Special thanks to Patreon backers John and Justin. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. I'll see you next year. Today's show was brought to you by the Lightning Pod email newsletter, which is where I share my thoughts on the podcasting industry, behind-the-scenes updates on Follow Friday, and links to all of the podcasts that I've been working on. It's free, it's interesting, and you can sign up at lightningpod.fm newsletter.